Welcome to Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and if you want to learn more about our church, look us up on Facebook or on our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. So what do you do when you feel afraid? I was talking to my father this last week, and he was sharing an idea from the pastor of his church about how to deal with fear. And it goes something like this. When a child is watching a movie and they're feeling a little afraid or a little nervous and they're unsure of how to react, remind them to watch the hero. What an interesting idea. Watch the hero. Watch what the hero does. Watch how the hero feels. Watch and see what the hero has determined is right and what the hero has resolved to do. When you don't know what to do, watch the hero. If you're in a place where you're unsure about what to do, I want to encourage you to watch the hero. Start with the little heroes around you, a neighbor who's helping someone in need or a doctor who's caring for the sick. But ultimately, we need to turn to the hero of life, Jesus, and look to him in these moments. So what makes a hero? Ralph Waldo Emerson says this, A hero is no braver than an ordinary man, but he is brave for five minutes longer. The line between the hero and those who they rescue is both thinner than we imagine and also much broader than we realize. Five minutes longer. What does it mean that a hero is brave for five minutes longer? I say it's this. The hero knows hope. The hero knows what must be done. The hero does not give up even when all seems lost. You will not learn this from the other characters in the story. The villain has no sense of justice or concern for others. Those the hero is rescuing have often given up on hope. But the hero knows hope, and he does not give up. Let me share a little story about a figure in church history, early church history. His name is Athanasius, and he's a bishop of Alexandria. And he stoutly opposed the heretical teachings of a man named Arius. And Arius declared that Jesus Christ was not the eternal Son of God, but he was a subordinate being to God. Well, Athanasius opposed this teaching, but it ended up that he was hounded uh, by a great population that was in favor of Arius, and he was hounded into five different exiles. And finally, he was summoned before the emperor Theodosius, who demanded Athanasius that he cease his opposition to Arius. The emperor reproved him and asked him, Do you not realize that the whole world is against you? And Athanasius quickly answered, Then I am against all the world. Athanasius kept on battling for what he knew to be true about Jesus, and he eventually overcame the popular heresy of Arius. After Athanasius died, he was called a pillar of the church. All the early church fathers that came after Athanasius held him in high regard, and he was highly regarded by the church in Rome. He was esteemed as a doctor of the church, quite a powerful title. And the Orthodox Church in the East called him the father of orthodoxy. Now think about that for a moment. The Orthodox Church calls him the father of orthodoxy. Respected by all is a long way from having to stand against all the world. Athanasius knew what was right, and he held to it when it seemed like everyone else was against him. Today I want to share another story about uh, a hero and how to look to the hero. It's a story about Jesus and his twelve disciples. These 
disciples found themselves in a dangerous moment. Jesus is the hero of the story, and whenever the disciples look away from Jesus, they despair, and uncertainty becomes their whole world. But whenever the disciples watch Jesus, they find hope and stability, even when the wind and the waves will still batter them. So let's go to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 through 33, and read this story about Jesus and his disciples and how to look and watch for the hero. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside to pray by himself. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! And immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed in the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is quite a story. And while it might be compelling to focus on the act of walking on water, it's important to recognize that as amazing as the miracle is, it is perhaps one of the minor points of the story. The disciples are out on the Sea of Galilee with Jesus walking up to them on the water, and we're not being asked to understand how to walk on water. The story is challenging us with a different question. Where do we look, or rather, who do we look to when we sense danger? Let's take a moment and identify the characters of the story. First, we have Jesus, and he is the hero. At no moment in the story does Jesus lose control of the situation or cease to care for the disciples. And then we have the disciples. They're the second group of characters in this story. They're not the heroes. Let's be clear about that. The, the disciples seem to be a sorry bunch who are unable to remember minute to minute just who their rabbi is, that he's Jesus, that he's the Son of God, that he is the Messiah. They seem to forget his miracles at the drop of a hat. The truth is, the disciples have not yet started to watch the hero. At this point, they watch themselves. They watch the events of the day. They watch their circumstances. They have not truly gained the ability to watch and trust the person of Jesus. And the last character I would mention is Peter. He is a disciple, but he's set apart from the disciples in the story. He has a moment where he is a bit heroic, but he's not the hero. For a moment, Peter is able to set his eyes and his faith on Jesus. In that moment, the wind and the waves no longer matter, and Peter can step out and walk on the water. But like most of us, Peter remembers all too quickly the danger of the moment, and he takes his eyes off of Jesus. Now the story starts with a very important word, immediately, or perhaps your Bible says at once. 
Why is this word immediately or at once so important? It links our story with the previous events. They're tied closely together both in time and in meaning. So what story happens just before Jesus walks on water? Well, it's the miracle of Jesus feeding the crowd of 5,000 people. If we go back to and look at that story, we're told this, that John the Baptist, he had just been executed. And his execution prompts Jesus to look for a place of solitude, perhaps to grieve and certainly to pray. But a crowd of people is following Jesus wherever he goes. And so we find in Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, these words. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Later, he miraculously feeds this crowd of 5,000 plus people with just five loaves of bread and, and two fish. Most people focus on the loaves and the fish, but remember, the, the miracle of this story, the, 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 the center of the story is that Jesus is described as having compassion on the crowd and he heals their sick. He miraculously meets them in their need. We focus on the food part, but Jesus meets them with compassion and healing. Now the disciples picked up the leftover bread, 12 baskets worth. These would have served as a reminder to them of the authority and power of Jesus. If he could feed a crowd with an impossibly small amount of food, Jesus could get the disciples across the sea when the wind was against them and the waves were threatening them. And that is where the word immediately comes in. The disciples gather the bread, and then immediately Jesus sends them away by boat across the Sea of Galilee. To be fair, I could see why the disciples would be nervous. They're to leave without Jesus. He stays behind. They go ahead of him. There's no way to phone in or send a text to make sure everything's okay and make sure they meet in the same place on the other side. They've not done this before. They're not sure what's happening. But Jesus stays behind to pray. Call it social distancing if you like. Only this is for Jesus' health, not for others. Perhaps there's even a little lesson in that. Jesus does not go into solitude just to take long naps. Jesus goes into solitude to seek the Heavenly Father in prayer. There was purpose in his solitude. If you're having to stay home right now or away from other people, add purpose to this time. Don't just vegetate. Simply trying to wait through the solitude is not going to be good for you. Don't just try to, to binge on Netflix and take long naps, but seek the Father in prayer. In verse 24, we get a clear picture of the moment of struggle for the disciples. It's when they begin to falter. They're far from land. They're out on the sea, and they're being battered by the waves, and the wind is against them. No matter how hard they row, they do not make progress. It's only a matter of time before they lose their strength and are at the full mercy of the wind and the waves. They are stuck, and they are in danger. And then comes that miraculous moment. Jesus walks out to them on the water. And most people, when they read the story, we gravitate towards the visual wonder of the miracle. He's walking on water? How's he doing that? But there's more to the miracle. Jesus experiences the same wind and the same waves, but they do not bother him. Jesus walks into the same dangerous sea that the, that the disciples are stuck on, but his situation is completely different. You might say, well, Jesus is God. He's the Son of God. He's got an advantage. And you're right. But I would say this. Jesus is the hero of the story. When others have lost hope, 
Jesus is certain about who is in charge and who really has the power over life and death. No storm stands a chance against Jesus and his mission. Walking on water is wonderful, but the real miracle of the story is the bond restored between Jesus and his disciples. Helmut Tillich, a pastor, theologian who found himself ministering to a war-torn congregation in Europe during World War II, has a sermon that's entitled, I am not alone in my anxiety. And in that sermon, he says this, anxiety is a broken bond and love is the bond restored. Anxiety is a broken bond and love is the bond restored. So he says anxiety is a broken bond and, and that is to say that anxiety is the result of a fracture between two people. Trust is broken and hope is lost. The ultimate example is this, the relationship between God and people and sin has, has come in and intruded and it's broken the bond between us. And to have real hope in life, we need to be able to know and trust God and be restored to him. Anxiety is not erased with courage but it's rather restored, refreshed with a restored bond. And a bond can only be restored with love. 1 John 4 verse 18 tells us this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. So the opposite of anxiety is not courage, but it's love. And love is what can restore a broken bond. The disciples have taken their eyes off of Jesus and they've placed their, their eyes on the wind and the waves. They feel far from Jesus. In a sense, the bond is broken. Further evidence of the disciples' failure to watch for Jesus shows up in verse 26. When they see Jesus, they don't recognize him for who he is. They only see more of the problem. It's a ghost, they cry out. On the Sea of Galilee, storms are sudden and fierce, and the Israelite fishermen, fishermen believed that during these storms that ghosts or devils would tread upon the water. And in this moment, when they see Jesus on the water, they believe their worst fears have come true. Why? because they see only the problem instead of watching the hero. Let's stop for a moment. Have you ever wondered what the conversation was like between the 12 disciples that night? We'll never really know, but maybe it went something like this, starting with excitement and then deteriorating. And maybe it sounded like this. Oh, look at what Jesus did. He, he fed 5,000 people. I, I can't believe it. Wow, who can stop Jesus? Hey, wait a minute. Why is he sending us away and staying behind? Did, did we do something wrong? Ah, it'll be okay. He said he'd meet us on the other side. Well, yeah, if we ever get to the other side. We've been rowing all night and it seems like we're not getting anywhere. You know, this wind is pretty strong and it is getting in our way. And these waves are pushing us around. You know, I think we're in trouble. Pretty soon the conversation never mentions Jesus. Everyone is focused on the danger of the moment not on the power of Jesus. The disciples are doing the opposite of watching the hero. They are feeding each other's fears. A hero looks into the face of danger and then acts to overcome it. Be careful of those right now who have a voice of panic, hopelessness, and defeat. If you look to those voices for strength, you will not find it there. It's easier to complain to others around us. 
And although we may find some validation in that moment of commiseration, this is not what Jesus wants for us. My mother-in-law, Jane, uh, has an uncanny ability to direct someone's frustration to the only place that it can truly be dealt with. And my wife has learned over the years that if she calls her mom for sympathy, they will always wind up praying together. And that's Jane's way of saying, let's turn to the hero. And that's a way you can help others who are fearful or unsure of what to do right now. Ask them if you can pray with them. Send those worries up to Jesus instead of trading them back and forth. Because it's the trading of those fears back and forth that causes us to spiral into a bigger fear that gets beyond our control. So send the worries up to Jesus instead of trading them back and forth. That's what the disciples were doing on the Sea of Galilee. They were trading their fears back and forth, and the result was they discouraged each other. Today, as we face this coronavirus, it does us no good to listen to voices of despair or panic. Back on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus calls them to have a renewed vision and to look to him. And he says these words, wonderful words, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And then comes Peter. I love Peter's enthusiasm, but that enthusiasm sometimes gets him in trouble. Now, we could understand Peter's Peter in a couple of ways. There's the first way that, oh, it's foolish Peter. He's goofy and he's falling in the water. He's, he's trying, but he's really <clears throat> making a mistake. He's looking very foolish. But I like to take another perspective on Peter. Realizing, and you may have heard this before, that Peter is the only disciple willing to get out of the boat. Everyone else is nervous and can see only danger. And Peter is willing to refocus his sight and try to watch Jesus instead of the danger. Jesus responds with one word, come. And that's all that Peter needs. Jesus doesn't give Peter water walking lessons. Instead, he gives him one word, come. And with that word, Jesus makes what is previously unavailable to Peter possible, walking on water. And for a moment, that's just what Peter does. And he goes towards Jesus. But then he sees the wind, because the wind has not stopped. Jesus is walking in the same wind. The moment that Peter puts his faith in the wind more than in Jesus, he begins to sink. Fortunately, that's not where the story ends. As Peter sinks, he gives one last cry, and he watches the hero again, and he says, Lord, save me! And immediately Jesus reaches out and he catches Peter. There's that word immediate again. We've got to pay attention. Again, a little bit from Helmut Tillichy. He says this, If I am anxious, and I know Christ, I may rest assured that I am not alone in my anxiety. He has suffered it for me. I want to read that quote again. If I am anxious and I know Christ, I may rest assured that I am not alone in my anxiety. He has suffered it for me. Do you know today that you have a Savior, Jesus, who has suffered all of this for you? You are not alone in your anxiety. He's taken it upon himself. Do you trust in him? Well, Jesus and Peter, they get back in the boat. And this is the moment that the story tells us that the wind dies down, only after they climb back into the boat. Now all the disciples have their eyes on the hero, Jesus, and they worship him. So what happens when we look to the hero? 
But first I would say this, looking to the hero helps us to know what we should do when we are afraid. Watch the hero is the call to learn from the hero, to imitate the hero. and We are to be imitators of Christ. The Apostle Paul tells us this in his letter to the Corinthians, and he asks the Corinthians to imitate him as he imitates Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow Christ. Watching the hero shows us what to do. But secondly, watching the hero not only shows us what to do, but it roots us in hope. Watching the hero roots us in hope. Parents, when your children feel afraid, whether it's a movie that feels scary to them or whether it's helping them cope with this virus they keep hearing about, encourage them to watch the hero. Fred Rogers has a very similar quote, and he says this, When I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, Look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. So instead of filling your vision with the problem, fill your vision with those trying to overcome the problem. Now I will admit, sometimes the hero is hard to see. And the disciples could not see Jesus while he was on the mountain praying, and they were out to see. So I offer these tips for when it is hard to see the hero. First is this, remember. Look at what has previously done. For the disciples, they had their entire ministry with Jesus up to this point to recall and remember. And the memory that should have been right on their mind is the miracle of feeding 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. After Jesus fed the crowd, he told the disciples, pick up the bread, pick up that leftover bread, and they filled 12 baskets with it. And this is not by coincidence. Each of the 12 disciples had a basket of bread that was made by the power of Jesus. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I like to imagine those disciples trying to row across the Sea of Galilee, each with a basket of bread in front of them, each with a reminder right there of who really holds the day in their hands, but they forgot to remember. When the hero is hard to see, they forgot to remember what he had already done. Christians... Your life is a powerful testimony of the power of Jesus. If someone cannot see Jesus, tell them your story. It is a memory that can point them to the hero. Second thing I would say is this. If the hero is hard to see, keep a vision for the present. Keep your eyes on the task. The disciples were asked to row across the sea, and at some point in the night, the disciples lost track of what they were supposed to do. In some ways, it, it probably felt like the matter was taken out of their hands that they cannot control the wind and the waves, but they forgot that Jesus had authority over the wind and the waves, and that if he asked them to row across the sea, they would be able to do so, regardless of the circumstances. There's another version of this story in the Gospel of Mark, and there's a portion of that story, it's in Mark 6, verse 48, where we're told a little different detail about this story says this about Jesus. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake and he was about to pass them by. I remember reading that story in the Gospel of Mark as a new Christian with a bit of shock. The disciples were struggling on the sea and Jesus was about to walk right past them. What was Jesus doing? Didn't he care? Well, it's not carelessness on Jesus' part. It's distractedness on the part of the disciples. At this moment, they had all they needed to make the journey. 
But at this moment, all they could see was the wind and the waves and the frustration. They took their mind off of Jesus and what he had asked them to do. They weren't thinking about the, the task they were charged with and that they were capable of doing it. All they could see was the problem. So keep your vision on the present and what you are called to do. And thirdly and lastly, I would say this. When the hero is hard to see, know that even if you cannot see Jesus, he sees you and he cares about you. There is not one moment in our story today where the disciples were beyond Jesus' sight or power. Remember that. There's a story of a Dr. Gardner Taylor. He's a pastor in New York City. And when he was preaching in Louisiana during the Depression, electricity was just coming into that part of the country and he was about out he was out in a rural church that had just one little light bulb hanging from the center of the ceiling to light up the whole sanctuary and he was preaching away and in the middle of his sermon the electricity went out and that little light bulb shut off and the building went pitch black dr taylor didn't know what to say and being a young preacher just at the beginning of a ministry he just he sort of stumbled around until finally one of the elderly deacons of the church in the back, cried out, Preach on, preacher. We can still see Jesus in the dark. Sometimes that's the only time we can see him in the dark. And the good news of the gospel is that whether or not we can see him in the dark, Jesus can see us in the dark. If you are uncertain of what to do or how to face the days ahead, watch the hero. In this case, I mean, look to Jesus. He is the author of life, and in him we find strength for today and salvation for eternity. To the Christian, I would like to remind you to help others to look to Jesus. Remember that you may be the first picture of Jesus that people ever get to see. To the non-Christian, know that in these uncertain times, you can be certain about eternity. I would quote Helmut Tillichy one more time. If the last hour belongs to us, we do not need to fear the next minute. Placing your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior is a way that we can be sure of the last hour and that it belongs to us. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, in this moment, many of us feel like we are stuck in the middle of a storm and it's beyond our control. A lot of us do not know what to do. This is new territory. Help us to see Jesus with fresh eyes of faith. Help us to look to him as our hero that we might remember that in this moment we are not alone. Help us to point others to Jesus, that they might find relief in these times. And Lord, whatever comes in the days ahead, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, knowing him, that in him there is a promise of victory. Amen.